You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Another episode of Watchpoint Radio, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Overwatch and its community. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with a special guest today, Jeremiah Ward, also known as Meza, from our Double Tap podcast. I can no longer say Tracer is uh, the best character in the game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> talk can't... a little bit about that, because me and you have a, a little dispute that we had before the game came out. That needs to be settled right here. She's still, hands down, the most annoying-ass character in the game. I don't care what nobody oh. says. Okay, yeah. Well, wait, we're going to talk about it. We're going <laughs> <laughs> to talk about it. But this is uh, episode number 29. We are recording on November 1st for release on November 2nd. Um, have some Sombra-esque... Well, actually, we have some Sombra stuff to talk about news-esque i guess you could say hopefully we won't have to do this for much longer uh but some sombra info uh we're gonna talk a little bit about halloween terror ending we're gonna talk about troll picks and we actually have a watch pointer on reinhardt because i pushed off for the last two episodes talking about reinhardt like i said i would and a few other things but before we get started with that usually i let people go first tell me how their weekend overwatch was but (laughs) Yours is going to be a little different <laughs> because you're not a regular host. I need to go first, and then I'm going to let you go. It's Jaws time. Oh, Lord. Okay. No, no. Oh, but seriously, <laughs> I, I, I actually had a, a good week in Overwatch. I finally hit level 25 on Xbox, and I never want to play quick play again. That's how I feel right now. I played a bunch of solo quick play. It is horrendous, and Blizzard needs to do something about that. They really do. I, they need. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just want to say there's so much they need to do in so many aspects, but I'll, I'll let you keep going. I'll let you yeah. keep going. <laughs> well, the I mean, the the thing about quick play is that that's where your players who aren't competitive or your casual players are supposed to go, right? But even casual players don't like quick play right now because. They may be casual, but at least they want to play the game the way it's meant to be played. They don't want to play against five Torbjorn because, yes, that is still happening on console, even with the nerf. They don't want to play against five Torbjorn, or they don't want to play against, like, you know, three or four Hanzos. You know, one night I played seven games consecutively, had three to four duplicate characters, either on my team or the other team. And it really pisses me off. Like, you know, I'll see somebody go a character, let's say D.Va. Then somebody else picks D.Va. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with two. I can deal with they do two. But then somebody else picks D.Va because they saw the other two pick it. Then somebody else picks it. Like I said, like, it's a big fucking joke, but it's not funny because it actually ruins the game. Now, either I have to stay and play this crap game or this crap match, or I can leave. And if I leave enough, I get penalized for it. How is that fair? 
I think the solution to this, and this is not even just coming from a competitive side, because uh, I obviously had to start somewhere. Uh, quick play was kind of the thing that I kind of played around with the most. I think if they had a quick play for just people who want to kind of just, yeah, kind of mess around, enjoy having a good time with a beer or whatnot, that's quick play. What they should do is a quick play competitive, which kind of lets people learn how to play competitive without actually playing competitive and getting penalized for that and losing rank. Well, yeah, that's what we call unranked competitive mode on this podcast. <laughs> Glad to see you're listening, Meza. I try. I try. No, honestly, I, no. I do. Yeah, it's fine. I, I do actually listen to the podcast a lot more than I thought I would since I've gotten more involved with the competitive side. But I think yeah. the thing is, yeah, even the the normal casual quick play stuff, because I, like I said, I had to start somewhere. I was enjoying the quick play, even though there was a lot of wonky stuff going on. I, I felt like. For somebody who's playing competitively, you go, I'm learning this for the sole sake of learning the game. But for somebody who's casually playing, they want a little bit more fun. I, I don't think this really kind of helps them enjoy the game more. Yeah, I think part, part of the problem, and I, and I know, especially on PS4, I, I know that the population on the consoles has probably dipped quite a bit. And I think it's because of quick play not being very fun to do like i could not wait until i hit 25 because by the time i hit level like 18 dude i was i was ready to i was ready to stop <laughs> you know i at one point i was i think i got to 21 23 and mind you guys i play on pc so i haven't tested out the console version uh, so i'm not too experienced with that I, I do come from a console background playing halo but this like this game specifically playing on pc i've had I've probably run run across nobody that I know that plays in competitive that's in quick play. And I could say probably on console, it, it hurts a lot more because it's separated. It's not like everything's on the same server. So I think that's what where they're kind of getting hurt a lot more with the player base. And I think people right. are kind of noticing they're like, eh, I'm playing in the same people. So there's going to be a lot more trolly people in quick play. Yeah, actually, something happened. I actually uh, picked up... Uh, an LFG group on Sunday because once a uh, Sunday is when I hit 25 officially, and I went onto an LFG site so that I could see if I can get somebody to help me with my placement matches. Well, luckily there was somebody looking for somebody with placement matches because they were looking to help one of their friends get into diamond. So it worked out perfectly. And before I go on, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Syrinx who I know listens on a regular basis because he helped me with my placement matches. It was great playing with you. We had a great time, and I I really appreciate the help. So the Syrinx, thanks a lot. But also uh, Iceblade and Bloodline who helped me out on Sunday. And there was somebody else, and I don't have his name in front of me right now. But if you're listening, thank you guys very much. I had an awesome time uh, doing my placement matches. Something that I usually hate. I usually really dislike placement matches so um but yeah double shout out to the syrinx because you know he's been emailing into the show we hooked up on xbox we played some it was great so um but yeah so i i you know we we, we pick up this lfg group or I pick up the lfg group and one of the play and I, I got approached by him and then another guy another guy on the lfg site and he's like oh no don't pick him up and I'm like, oh, okay. So you actually know this other person on the LFG? I have yet to have that happen on the PC side where somebody on the LFG actually knows somebody else because there's so many players, you know? So that's why the player pool is definitely starting to to drain a bit. 
and Blizzard can definitely fix that. Um, I mean, these people already own Overwatch. Maybe they've traded it in, uh, some of them, but a lot of them already own it, so it shouldn't take too much to bring them back. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I did place, I did do my placement matches on Sunday for Xbox. I placed 2836. So I think that still puts me in range, the 1000 SR range of a lot of uh you guys who have a, a bit lower SR and somewhat in silver. Um I mean, I kind of want to get to diamond with the character or with the, with that account, but if I don't it's not a big deal. So if you see me online, uh don't be afraid to, you know, shoot me a message, let me know if you want to play. We can group up, we can play some competitive, have a good time. Cause I'm, I I think having a good time is more important than uh, at this point, then you know, having my SR up because I'm not like a pro player. I'm not looking to go to the Overwatch Open anytime soon. Um, but besides I, that, I'm sorry. I actually, go ahead. I actually think uh, you made a good statement there that uh, people who aren't really climbing to become pro should be more focused on the fun. I think it's more the people climbing to become pro should become more focused on the fun part and aspect because I've noticed one thing at least about this community is they're Maybe I just haven't seen it enough, but I've seen my fair share of people who rage a little bit. But most of the community I've come across has been very willing to be nice. Maybe not play the characters you want, but they're willing to be a little flexible and a little nice. Um, and I, I think the, the interesting part is the more I found myself trying to play for fun, the better I've been doing than focusing too much on the competitive side, which obviously I still have to keep it in mind, but... It, right. it does affect a lot more if you do play the game a little bit more for fun. Well, you know, with the way competitive mode is working right now, and Blizzard's already admitted that there are problems. They, they, Blizzard admitted there's problem with placement, placement matches. Uh, I have the data to back the fact that the way groups are done with the SR system, uh, we talked about a few episodes ago, that's FUBAR 2 and needs to be addressed. Uh, so if you focus too hard on the competitive aspect right now, because it's not working the greatest, you're gonna have a lot of frustration. So yeah, you gotta you gotta chill a little bit. Uh, before I let Meza speak, I do have an update. I, I, I what I'd like to do in case you didn't know Meza is like you know once I find something new and cool that I like for myself, I'll try to share it with the class. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they'll like it too. Um, Diva on console. And this goes for PS3 and for Xbox. One thing you really can't do with her while you're uh, uh, by default is have your defense matrix up and then fly. Now you can fly and put your defense matrix up while you're flying, but that, you know, in order to fly first, that opens you up to some attacks. And that was uh, kind of frustrating me. Right. So all I did, I made a simple change. I moved my, uh, my flight. I can't remember the actual name of the, of the ability, but I moved my flight from the left bumper to the right bumper, you know, to the end. Basically, that'll be on, on a, that's RB on Xbox One and, you know, R1 on PS4. And so now I can actually have my defense matrix up and start flying towards somebody. And you, you would be amazed how many people that surprised. <laughs> I got, yeah, you, people, like, they just didn't know what to do. I mean, they just didn't know what to do when I did that. Go ahead. I, I feel like the, it's like one of those like uh, slight game mechanics things that people haven't really been experienced to enough. So they're just like, oh, what the hell? What do we do? What is happening? Let's just run away. 
I like yeah. that. I do like that when I'm the person doing it to them. Yeah, because well, I had this bat. Like this other one, uh, one experience I had is I had a bastion on the enemy team, and normally, like you know, the bastion will just you know fire away at you, and I put up the defense matrix and absorb the bullets. But I can only do that for so long, you know. Um, but w- this time he was firing. I put up defensive matrix and flew toward him. And he ran out of ammo, and he was like, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, I died. got all my guns ready for you. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm sorry. I, I haven't been a good uh, host here with our guests, because I just talked for, like, almost ten minutes okay. about myself. You know, sorry. Sorry, Meza. It's okay. Ow. Until we start talking about Tracer, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to talk about Tracer in a little bit, so we can settle that score, but how- First of all, how are you, Meza? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I, well, I'll start where, I guess, my gaming experience, well, I'm 26, first off. Uh, I've been playing ladies, mostly 26, ladies. No, I'm fucking with you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I obviously, you guys know me from Double Tap. If you don't, I pretty much have been playing fighting games for the past, like, six, seven years. But uh, that's not where I actually got my start in. I actually got my start in um, playing competitive shooters. I was originally uh, playing a lot of Gears of War online, but I picked up a lot of Halo. So from Halo 1 all the way through, I was playing very, very competitively. Not on a, on a ladder, but I got I was supposed to get picked up by a team to play semi-pro, to play one match to break into to becoming pros because they needed a, a fourth. And unfortunately, that fell through. But I still hold it till this day that they needed me. Okay, so so yeah. But <laughs> when you're needed, you're needed, man. But I mean, it's yeah, the fact yeah. that they even thought because I did play with them a lot, and they said you were. They may have felt that I was the missing link, so that was kind of nice. But I, I kind of had put first person shooters back on the back burner for a long time because it was it was intensive. You know, it takes a lot out of you. Uh, I tried getting into Counter Strike. I played more friendly than competitive, and I learned the ins and outs of what it meant to deal with uh i guess between hit scan and all these other things that most people aren't going to know about or are going to start learning more about uh i guess overwatch is teaching people that are casual players a little bit more yeah there's people who never who never even heard the word hit scan before that should know what that is now even on this podcast i think i've I've explained what hit scan is versus you know projectile based damage but if not email me guys i would have no problem talking about it again you're gonna have literally a a four to five page book to learn about what hit scan is that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> no it's, it, not, it's, it's really not, not that, that complicated hard. it really isn't but you know for some people it, to make it make sense it it's kind of harder i would say when you look at the the newer games with more abilities and stuff like that i think it's easier when you look at counter-strike because most of those guns are either really hit scanny or really bad yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I just, I got pretty much, uh, I could kind of talk a little bit about it. I got, I'm getting quote unquote picked up by another team that I still can't talk too much about, but we're in the, the midst of doing contracts and people climbing up to a certain point. Um, I and actually, Overwatch yeah. specifically that you're talking about. Yeah. Mainly yeah, Overwatch. You switch gears. Yeah. And Overwatch. Um, but yeah, I pretty much. I've always loved first-person shooters. I just kind of came from a background more of third-person, though, where I used to play SOCOM with a bunch of different clans, and throughout every time they obviously progressed, I always had I was the strategic player 
or whatnot. And after that went down, I kind of just didn't have any thrills to play games that had guns in it. So it's kind of interesting coming back to it because I see myself doing a lot of the old things and learning a lot of new tricks. I, I mean, I'm older now, so my experience is there, but there's still a lot of things that I'm learning from younger players. And it's it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. Now, you came into Overwatch because, man, I so first of all, I came into Overwatch because, I, you know, I, I, I don't even think I've really talked about this on the podcast before, but I just I just got I got a beta. I got a beta invite into Overwatch through a, a friend. Let's just say I can't talk too much about it. Overwatch wasn't even really on my radar because I was like a lot of other people with shooter backgrounds when we first saw Overwatch or we're like, oh, TF2 clone. Because that's what most of the shooter community thought. You know, when if you played Counter-Strike or if you played Emerald Tournament, you're just like, oh, it's like TF2. Big big whoop, right? The people who were actually excited about Overwatch were a lot of the Blizzard fans and non-shooter fans. That Those who were, those are the people who were the most excited about the game. So I got a beta invite. They were like, hey, you want to you wanna play? I'm just like, eh, sure. Dude, after that, I played the, my first few games, I was like, I'm in fucking love with this game. I can't put it down. I actually got sad when they went on beta break in December of 2015 <laughs> and didn't come back to like February. I was like, what am I going to do? I had to fill my time playing Heroes of the Storm. I, haven't, I hadn't played Heroes of the Storm in forever. That game's because I was in the now. beta for that too. So that's how I started playing Overwatch. Uh, but you, you came in specifically eyeing Overwatch and it's competitive. And we're not even just talking competitive mode. We're talking about like pro competitive. It, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, I talked to you about it a long time ago. I got to play twice, which was during the beta. Uh, and then I got to play again when they had the free weekend. And yeah. I told you during the beta, I hated the game. I said, I yeah. thought it was pure garbage. <laughs> and then I came back and I played it again. And I said, you know, it's not that bad now. Uh, and I don't know if it was just the aspect of having abilities and having to do more than just, you know, run and gun in a sense. Um, but coming back into it again, I've actually looked at it differently. It's not just for the the sole sake of playing on a team and playing for money or anything like that. I actually think the game has a lot of ground to to kind of blow a lot of older first person shooters out of the water. Uh, it has all the same strategic play. It has the fun quirkiness of like games like TF2 and whatnot. But it definitely on the competitive side, you can feel when there's pressure. You can feel when you have to hit choke points and all these other things. And I think coming into it like this, it's it's only in season one. So there's still so much room to, to learn. You mean competitive? Yeah, at least on a competitive side. Yeah, we're in side. season two, buddy. We're in season two. We're, we're practically still. We're ru- we're roughing it out of season one. Okay. No, no, you're uh, definitely in season two. Like, well, no, you're there, coming to the, the pa- end of the season two. Come yet. The patch What's hasn't that? come until the patch comes, where it changes things. We're not in season two for me, dude. That already happened. Uh, the, the, there's already been. A, you do realize, like Overwatch has numbered seasons already. This yeah. is going to be a great podcast. I can tell. Yeah. So, <laughs> season one started in it was actually a shorter season but it started either the end of july or be i think maybe the was it the middle i think it was the middle of june or maybe the end of june or the very beginning of july and went to the end of the uh 
to the, uh, the end of the Olympics. That was season one numbered. There's a it two-week break. It doesn't feel like it, though. That, like, because in the competitive scene, it looks like it's season one still for us. When I was, no, like, really like, paying attention, it's still... It's, there, so, okay, so you're talking about the pro-competitive... Yeah. Okay, so... Sorry, I should have right. clarified that. The yes, competitive scene is season one. We're talking about the game. It's in a, a whole nother season. So, first of all, I don't... write Like, right now, I don't think Overwatch has what you would call dedicated pro seasons because, to be honest with you, Blizzard, Blizzard talked about rolling out a league and has not done so so far. So what you're seeing right now are just basically tournaments. Like you and it's not like the yeah. FGC tournaments where that kind of where you go from Evo to Evo and you consider that a season. You know what I'm saying? We're just seeing tournaments because well first of all the competitive scene has been doing Overwatch tournaments for quite some time even back in beta, you know? And Blizzard had the OW open and now they have this uh this tournament for BlizzCon, right? And this just recently, they talked about Blizzard opening up like a regular league, kind of like you see in League of Legends, where I guess people, you know, teams are going to get points and stuff like that. I mean, they do it. They do it for StarCraft and things like that, where they have like they basically have a season. I, I think StarCraft is still doing it this way, where they have a season, right? And once a quarter, they have like one major. You know what I'm saying? Where that, those those are for big points, and I think we're going to see the same thing in Overwatch, but that's not here yet. So. Technically speaking, I think you're right, but I like I, I would say that the season one hasn't even really started. Yeah, I, I mean, they do have, I, I do know they have different locations where, at least in like Korea and Europe and China, they've been having their own like, I guess you could say their own small minor type of league, but it's not really at that level yet. So that's what, where it kind of like lies, where teams are actually jumping back and forth after a few weeks yeah. of sitting in one spot. So it's, it's yeah. still weird. I, I think it's just that weird, like they say it's season one. But there's still so much to be... Like I said, there's still a lot of room for this game to grow. With the way Blizzard like, ha- like does their game licensing, it's not Season 1 until Blizzard says it is. Like, cause That's I don't so know if you, true. I don't know if you remember like the, the big controversy with StarCraft 2 when that first came out. But a lot of the Korean leagues didn't know how they were going to deal with the fact that they need Blizzard's permission to do this now. You know, it, that, that's always been something going on. They did that with Hearthstone as well. Um, well, Hearthstone, yeah, they did it with Hearthstone. It got but hit I think, kind of hard, yeah. though, with Hearthstone. Yeah, they did it with Hearthstone. They're doing it. They're gonna, I'm pretty sure. I haven't read the EULA for Overwatch, but I'm pretty sure they're doing it with this game as well. But that was a huge hit for Korea because they had been running their own StarCraft leagues for like a decade. You know, but now it's like, Blizzard's like, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me some of that. Give me some of that money. <laughs> Pretty I, much. I, I don't see why Blizzard hasn't stuck their, their fingers and feet into this a little bit more for like the money's sake. But well, I think it's because they did not expect this game to do as well as it did. I mean, the Overwatch team was actually pretty small. If I remember correctly, I know it's a bigger, it's probably a bigger team now. Actually, I'm almost certain it's a bigger team. But for a while, it was like an 80 person team, I think. Yeah, that's not very big, actually. For, for a game like of this size. It's yes. not very big. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's probably why. Like Blizzard's probably just catching up to the fame of this game, you know. So, but you know, hey man, more power to them. They, 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 this game was created from a team that was part of the failed Titan development, and mm-hmm. then they come together. They use a couple of character models from Titan to make this game, and bam, it is it is it is a success, a huge success, you know. So, but um, yeah. So, like, like I said, from from your point of view, you're you're gonna talk mostly from 
like like a pro competitive scene. I mean, you have talked about the pro competitive scene uh, and things I don't like and things you don't like. So uh, as an outsider coming into the pro competitive scene and having a shooter background, what do you, what do you think about it? Like, what do you, what, what do you think it's is good? It's doing well. What do you think it's it's missing? Um. What do I think it's missing, honestly, is probably a little bit more structure when it comes to, I mean, obviously the tournaments are fine. I don't really, I don't really think it's the, the tournaments. I think it's kind of the game. I feel like the simplicity of the game makes it hard for people to understand that they have to use strategy to get around things. So I'm not, I don't know if it's maybe we need a, I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure I could say on a competitive side, I think the game needs to evolve with the characters, but See, I th- Oh, good. I'm, I'm going to yeah. finish. Yeah. I, I just finish. think the game needs to evolve with the characters because the maps are so diverse already that I, I actually kind of am scared to add more maps to the game. It's hard for me to kind of keep up with like the nine plus maps that we have kind of. It's like, what the hell? Like most people can't even figure out strategies on two or three maps. How are we going to really give people time to, you know, evolve? At least in the competitive scene, it's and I'm I'm sure you guys have talked about it multiple times. I've heard you guys talk about it. The the meta has kind of set itself and nobody wants to explore. I don't know if that's on the side of not wanting to lose a job or wanting to stay on top, but I think that the better teams are going to actually change their perspective. And I think Blizzard needs to help them do that a little bit more with the characters. Well, that's the thing. I don't think it's necessarily the characters problems. I don't think it's Blizzard's problem. I think it's the players who are playing the pro games. I think it's the pro players themselves. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these pro players are playing this game more from a MOBA perspective, like an ability-based perspective. Because, and like I said, we have talked about it on the, sh- on the show, where you know, you're watching uh, a tournament, and you see teams do the same builds on either side of the ball. You know, if they, they do one build or they have a couple variations for a build for defense and they have a couple variations for a build for offense, but it's essentially they're doing the same thing. For the Overwatch Open, they call it the, like, for the offensive one, they call it the Beyblade strategy. Yeah. You know, where they get an Ana, the Ana charges the Reinhardt, the Reinhardt clears a path. Then the Ana, you know, charges up again and then she ults the Reaper, who then uses his ultimate. And, you know, that's how they, they clear a point. And that's why, in my opinion, it was boring. I think it's th- th- those players are causing it to to be stale like that. And it's part of the reason why the meta, it, the pro meta itself is is stale. I think if we, you know, pe- uh, you know, these teams had a bit more imagination or played a bit differently, like, you know, instead of just playing up, your abilities and waiting for your ults to charge maybe you play for picks instead maybe you know you you, you get a genji who's really you know really good at picking off a healer and like oh healer's picked okay we're moving in you know even though not saying that doesn't happen it's just so it rare does. actually you it, know what it, it, it is a lot rare, more yeah it's rare and i think like i said before it it kind of comes down to the characters because the game becomes very totally defensive and then, yeah that's partially also the players because they're like who do we actually send out to go kill a super tanky team that gets heals? We're, I think people aren't used to a first-person shooter that has healing mechanisms that's constant. You you have games that you could heal maybe for a second, but this game has a lot of self-healing, a lot of characters that can heal each other. And I think that's what, where the getting picked off part kind of relies on 
somebody playing really poorly and not being well, in their position. So there's that, but at the same time, one thing you don't see, like I'm going to use the term coordinated attack here, and okay. if you view it as like you know every people using abilities at the same time, yes. This game does have coordinated attacks where somebody will say, okay, we're going to do this thing. And in sequence, they do their abilities to make something happen. That is technically speaking a coordinated attack. When I think coordinated attack, I'm thinking more like Unreal Tournament, uh, uh, Counter-Strike, where you don't have abilities. So when you coordinate an attack, you know, you have one person over here, you know, doing like the Raptor thing. And you have somebody else attacking from a different angle. Like you're drawing attention over here while somebody's attacking there or you and another person you know, a swarm somebody at the same exact time to kill that person, but stay alive. You know, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, it does. You know, the the only reason why I say that the abilities change the game is uh, when, and I'm gonna reference something when Halo got its like new meta change, which was basically I believe Halo. Uh, I'm just gonna say like Halo Four. Okay. Uh, they started implementing uh, abilities pretty much, which was like the shields and whatnot. That that changed the game drastically it stopped becoming a very firefightish type game became a very defensive game and a lot more playmaking could be done but i just feel like in order for playmakes to happen yes i will say at least with the players it has to start somewhere but i think the skill some of the skills kind of don't allow two people to make plays in the back line without your front line falling so it, it kind of comes down to yeah, it comes down to team comp and what they want to do with the team. Uh, I do know that I know we were talking earlier about the the Beyblade uh, strat that actually has been getting countered a lot with a three tank with a three tank combo, and that's cool and all. But what happens when they just stop doing it? Yeah, it's boring. I guess. <laughs> so I mean, like, where where does the game go? So I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's turning out to be the characters aren't doing it because i really feel like the characters are diverse they're very different but sometimes you do see the limitations on some characters like yeah symmetra there's not much else she can do after she's <laughs> bombed out of all her sentries her teleporter's gone she becomes almost virtually useless without a team to kind of set her back up so maybe it's kind of a little bit of the characters and a little bit of the players who aren't exploring the bigger parts of the scope, but I feel like Blizzard could say something. I mean, shouldn't they have some say into what they think their characters are capable of as well? Uh, I just well, no, feel like they're they not saying wanna, anything. Yeah, they don't want to do that because, you know, you don't want to put an idea in people's heads. Like, the reason, like, okay, for example, with the Anna video, right? Who does she alt in that video? Reinhardt. What does everybody do after they see alt that video? Reinhardt. They alt Reinhardt. You know, uh, the, the Beyblade strat, I think, surprised a lot of people because they're like, wait, you're ulting Reaper? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? Because that was the thing. Like, you see it in just like a bunch of competitive games. is Reinhardt after Reinhardt after Reinhardt being constantly being uh, ulted or uh, nano boosted, which isn't a bad thing because uh, he's a great character to do it to. But that's why Blizzard can't put these things in people's heads. They have to let people explore the game on their own and let the the meta grow on its own. So I, I don't think they should be saying, well, you should try this or you should try that. Like very basic strategies like they give them the tips and then stay out. Wait, would you would you say they should do better subtle nuances instead of saying, hey, just alt Reinhardt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and like that sets up into this whole big thing because I honestly and this is coming from somebody who wants to explore a little bit more. I'm a creative type of player. Uh, I come from that type of background just in general. 
I think that characters like May would be really cool to see altered up. She's already pretty tanky. She has self-healing. She has a really awesome ult. How much more damage would you really want her to do? So, I mean, if team, com- team comps start to build around the more defensive slash yeah. uh, not so much uh, high output damage dealers, but more of the defensive, tankier ones, I think you're going to see a lot more change. But I, I feel like I said, I feel like it comes down to how fast people are building and charging alts and stuff like that, too. Right. It, it's it's a game mechanic thing that I really feel is it has to change a little bit. And maybe it's just her alts breaking the game. And I've said it before. I, I do feel she's very overpowered at this point. Well, one thing that's going to change the game, if it comes through in the PTR, I know you haven't played the PTR. Actually, I've heard. Uh, uh, you know, about the alts being increased? Yeah. Yeah, so everybody's alt is increased by 25%. Um, if if it if it's working the way we think it is, uh, May's alt is going to be increased by forty percent. That's the too cost. Much. That's the too cost. much. I but, but that, I like I think, it. <laughs> I think Blizzard is doing what you what you want to do. Actually, they're doing yeah. what I want. What I want them to do is to make the game less reliant on alts. May, okay, fine. You know, use your abilities more. But maybe this will solve my problem where. I just get tired of watching a team, two teams sit behind their Reinhardt. And shout out to the Australian team in the current tournament because they did a strat on Eichenwald where they rushed the left side before the choke point, used May's wall to get over the choke point, rushed the point, not even shooting anybody on the enemy team, rushed the point, got on the point, and then set up defense on the point. The enemy team didn't even know what to do. Goddamn pacifist. They didn't even know what to do. It was awesome. I'm like, thank you. Some fucking creativity in this place. Uh, I will say this. I think it's a good choice to do that because, and there's a few things that people are saying actually are going to happen. Like I said, I've been focusing mostly on uh, just climbing up the ranks in general, but that will stop a lot of those maze having alt within like the first 10 to 15 seconds in the game. That is really absurd. Mm. I've seen it happen and I just and it's funny people don't know her her wall builds uh builds her actual alt up and people are still attacking it and I'm like I just came into this game I'm pretty sure by now people should know this so there you'll see people doing stuff all the time that's yeah. just that's just the way it but, is you know <laughs> I mean it's in competitive so that's why I'm kind of scared and I'm like <laughs> how, how, when does that stop but at the end of the day I think them in doing that increase because I've actually heard the new combination is going to be Anna plus Soldier. So they're saying Soldier is supposed to be ridiculous because he's actually getting uh, slightly changed, like a, I guess a buff. Dude, or, but he, there's if they <laughs> if they keep Soldier's current stats in the PTR and if they make that go live, they're gonna. I don't know what they're thinking. I, I think the Soldier game is different. ridiculous. He's Soldier already is, good. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Soldier is fine. Dude, I was playing Soldier on the PTR last week and I was melting people. Nobody, could, like, with Soldier, you're ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he hits too hard. It's almost like. Hits <laughs> you know too how hard McCree hits, you know yeah. how McCree hits hard, but he only has six bullets? <laughs> you're hitting, like, McCree hard with Soldier's gun. I'll be honest, I don't want. I already hate dealing with him. Unless, like, there's this balance. And if you guys don't know, obviously, I'm pretty sure. Jaws told you guys multiple times, this fair, you should probably be playing McCree, Soldier, any of those. But now yeah. nobody has to ever play McCree if Fair is on the map. Just play Soldier. He's just gonna shut down everything. And I think I think this is when the game's gonna start getting more interesting. 
is if they do release it like that, because it's not, yeah, every team may have Soldier on it, but you're going to look for those teams that are going to really explore the different parts of the meta to not just counter Soldier, but to completely obliterate a team that even has Soldier on it. So, I, I mean, I've told multiple people when I've been playing competitive, stop playing Farah if there's no, if there's a uh, Soldier. And yeah, once soldier, that happens, Widow, Anna, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, McCree. like I just want to see where they explore because I, I do love the maps where you can just push people off. I hate getting yeah. it. I hate it happening to me, but it's you so- love doing it to people. I know the feeling. Yes. So, I mean, at the end of the day, maybe people could start directing their focus to, hey, how do we direct somebody towards that side of the map a little bit more? And that, that does come with the, the players, but they have to start building the team comps around that now. I think competitive is going to be fine in the long run, but I think right now it's at that whole kind of, it's kind of like getting stuck in a choke point and nobody knows what to do next. Right. Well, competitive besides, I guess the, do you mean pro competitive or pro competitive? Yes. Regular competitive competitive is completely, I think it's completely different. I think regular competitive, the inconsistencies of players, uh, that's just, that's just always going to be there. But I think the pro meta at least, People have to look at the game differently. They they have to not be so afraid to to throw new concepts out there because where does those concepts go afterwards? They go to the regular competitive. So when people are playing more quick play-ish, and I've seen it, people play in the, the regular competitive mode online, more quick play style. But when you get to a certain point, you're playing in like gold, maybe a little bit further past gold into, you know, plat or diamond, you start noticing people are playing exactly how pro pros are trying to play the only difference is they just don't have the same accuracy that they do they don't and not to mention the the pro meta relies on your entire team running the pro meta so if your entire if you like you know a lot of uh you know um regular com- like competitive mode uh games don't have a full team of six if you're running a full team of six and everybody is doing the pro meta yeah it's fine um i mean it'll be a bit of a boring game but that's fine but if you're if you're a three man and you're gonna try to run the pro meta with the other three people who aren't doing that, it's gonna fail because it's such a team based game. That and that's why I I think uh, either last episode or the episode before last, you know, I say that the the well, it was like the you know the meta is not scripture or something like that. I forget what the title was, but you know, the meta is the meta is not scripture. Like it is not it's not the word of God. You know, you don't have to follow it. And if you if you see that your team isn't fully following it, then drop it and try to work with your team. Well, you, you know, know, but that's the thing. People go, well, I'm a main this or I'm a main that. And I know you love hearing people say that because you, you know, I fucking should. hate that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, it, obviously, there's a little bit of sarcasm in there. There's uh, I, when you hear people say that, you just go, why are you maining anybody in this game? There's too much to actually counter and there's too much to you have to switch to and be the one thing I've heard all week from me playing is flexible. Nobody's flexible on this game. And I feel like once people learn one character, they don't believe that they can transfer that over to other characters. This is still a first person shooter. Yeah. Yes. Some characters may have different, uh, level, uh, you know, level levels to learn them, uh, level learning curves. But I think at the end of the day, people need to really kind of get off that high horse that, Hey, you were playing uh, Symmetra and you got like gold elimination, gold damage because nobody knew how to deal with you. You're not going to get the same thing every match. So 
I think it's it should be less about the numbers on certain aspects and yeah. more about what your team is running. Absolutely. You're right. You have to be flexible. I've been preaching that on this show for a while. And it usually works out for me. I mean, not always because if you're taking, like, it can't just be you. You can't be the person that's constantly switching and trying to adapt. Like, I've been, you know, uh, throughout the second season, I've been recording my matches and, you know, who I've been playing, what I've been switching to. And almost guaranteed, if I played a match where I've switched like five times, we probably lost it. <laughs> you know? Uh, we probably lost it. You know, you can't be the only person. It's a it's team game. The team's got to work together. Now, before we move on, what, when you played beta, yeah, you told me Tracer needed to do more damage. She did. No. No. Tracer never needed to do more damage. You needed to learn how to play Tracer. All right. So now that I am playing competitively and I have been playing, a, <laughs> I, I try not to go into games and tell people I'm a tracer main. But when I do, they get really mad until they <laughs> see what I do. And then I go, I'm really mad because I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Uh, but I think I'm, I started noticing more and more how strong tracer really is because uh, as obviously in the beginning, when you're playing a certain type of shooter, you don't expect flanking to be the key strong point of a lot of characters but i didn't understand that until i actually started playing this game competitively and uh mm -hmm. yeah tracer is i i kind of want to say she could get nerfed she could definitely get <laughs> she <laughs> is a put, fly on the wall man she is she's tough i told you like i told you if you play tracer right you can kill a tank because they can't catch you it, not even just that you know i i would say i feel her her mobility is too much. I think they need to probably, if they were to nerf her, don't nerf her damage. Keep her damage the same. Nerf how, how many times she can actually teleport, how soon. Because the thing is, I'm starting to notice I get away with just counting. And as long as I'm counting, I know I'm always going to get out of a bad situation. And there's, there's, that's the scariest thing when a tracer never dies for the first 10, like five, you know, what, two, three minutes of a round. And she's dealing yeah. damage, and she's switching everything over for for her team. I, I definitely think a good tracer is too OP. Just a good tracer. I'm not even saying like one that's hitting over fifty percent accuracy. She could hit like thirty five and still be really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to, you know, I actually <laughs> said I was going to bring you on this podcast a long time ago so we could discuss this, and we just never got yeah. around to it. I can't even discuss it now, man. I I can't even defend it. It's it's <laughs> it's pretty scummy, man. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I definitely think more people need to stop neglecting her and stop playing the Genji. Go go play Tracer, man. I've seen a Tracer pick my whole team apart, and well, I just can't do anything. I think it's because Tracer does take a bit more skill to play. With Genji, at the very least, you know, you're just throwing your star, somebody shoot at you, you hit deflect, and then you dash away. Tracer is different. Like, not only, like, the dashing, while, yeah, it is advantageous, it's still a little disorienting sometimes. Yes. Um, Okay, so real quick, just just a heads up for people. If you really want to be good with Tracer, go and go on a go on a map, practice alone, practice strafing into corridors, and then stop strafing into corridors, and then start practicing dashing into corridors without even actually knowing where, without actually having to look into it. You're gonna find yourself doing so much more. It's it's kind of annoying. Trust me. When a Tracer can still attack you without having to like look where she's gonna go. That's when you have problems. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I, I have seen my fair share of traces fall right off a map. Yeah. <laughs> I, like They're like, oh, I didn't know I was where I was. And I'm just like, and I've yeah. heard people say it's disorienting and it's really hard to keep up with yourself. I'm like, man, if you learn the map and you learn distancing and timing, you're probably going to be the most dangerous tracer just in like a- alone the silver to gold league. And you could change a lot of outcomes. This game is definitely not meant to allow you to carry by yourself, but in lower, I would say in lower competitive, not pro competitive, but lower competitive, uh, you can find yourself carrying if you do the right things and you actually right, know what you're if, doing. You, if you're making some key plays. You no. Know. Only takes All one right. or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, just like I said, I just wanted to get that out there. That job was right again. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, there'll be many more where I'll actually trump you. Don't worry. Yeah, there's, 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 and I agree. This is why I don't have conversation. I don't argue with you about fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I know my place. Uh, don't exactly. You, I'm reminding myself now. Yeah, exactly. If Nether says something about a fighting game, I'm like, yes, sir. Right, sir. You are correct. <laughs> I could be completely wrong. It needs to be like, you're right. <laughs> and I'll just agree with you. Like, yep. <laughs> like no problem. All right, let's actually get into our topics. The first two topics, well, not definitely this first topic. I'm gonna blow through. It's somber watch. Somber watch. Yeah. So I really hope this is like the last time I use that segment intro because I am so tired of dealing with Sombra. BlizzCon is on the horizon. It is this Friday. If they do not release Sombra before sunday or at least you know they don't even have to put her on the servers just at least give us her the information like you know officially nah, announce her give us the information tell her she's going to be on the ptr one thing i really hope they don't do is be like oh here's sombra and she's available now on live like no oh, <laughs> oh. no 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 i will like, actually stop playing that day like, no, no, you don't want to put her on live because that means unless they put her on live and she's not available for competitive, because if she's live and available for competitive, you know how many S, how much SR is going to be lost. We're going to have a great, like a great recession of SR. You know, I, I would be OK with that. Let people fall. Let let the small flies fall early okay but that's the, it's not the, it's not just the small flies just like the economy we all rely on each other here so if you're playing a match right and somebody decides that they want to go sombra not knowing how to actually use her and you lose then you can have a game where the other team has somebody that goes sombra but for some reason your team doesn't know how to manage it <laughs> you know it's like it, it needs more time before it goes to the competitive sombra should not be available for competitive play and I'm talking about competitive mode until season three. I, I think the best thing that they could do at BlizzCon is say she's going to be available later, but have an exhibition match with her in it so that pro players play her so people can see what she's capable of. And so can they. Because here's what I feel is happening is at one point, a character will get released and it'll cause confrontation within all gameplay. Doesn't matter where it's at. But I think when at least a character gets released early and shown and showcased, people go, oh, she's interesting. Maybe we can, you know, incorporate her in this way. But you don't have her yet. So that works out because not everybody's jumping online and competitive playing saying, oh, I saw what she did at, you know, BlizzCon. I'm going to do that right now. And it's like, no, you don't have the experience yet. They just need to show that there's a gap. I think once they show the gap, 
And pro players can usually, you know, gauge a gap of how hard the character is going to be. And they'll do simplified things uh, compared to doing some really crazy over the top. And you may see the crazy over the top and be like, I can't do that. I shouldn't do that yet. So maybe they just need a little bit more incentive to not get caught in those situations. Right. Okay. I actually agree with what you're saying. It would not be a bad idea to show her off a little bit. But I'm pretty sure it's going to happen because they're going to re- release her and you're going to have streamers playing her and you know somebody's probably going to be bl- streaming from BlizzCon and showing what she looks like. But we'll see. Either way, the Sombra stuff, I guess I didn't want to call it news because it's not really news. It's more ARG stuff. On Sunday, which I was a little surprised, there was a post on the play overwatch blog which is it was a it was a lore post it was saying that you know uh lumerico had been hacked and uh, it was hacked by the group known as sombra and they released some documents showing corruption in lumerico like you know the lumerico president you know putting extra cash in his pocket stuff like that uh, and for those who don't know the lumerico plant is that power plant in dorado and for those who don't know, the whole goal of that map Dorado is to get something to the power plant. <laughs> okay, so that last part you go into, it's it's the the second checkpoint. Once you go into that, once you hit that second checkpoint, that is the power plant. In case you didn't know, but um, so you know, it talks. It's really not all that. Uh, I guess uh, there's not that much information in the post, but there are a few things that draw attention. One, it talks about Lumerico possibly striking a deal with Vishkar. Now, Vishkar is the company that Symmetra works for. And Vishkar is also the company that Lucio fights against. So that's, that's the significance of Vishkar. Vishkar is a bad corporation. Uh, we, we covered the, the... Actually, have you watched any of the Overwatch... Read any of the Overwatch um, comics? I've, I've actually been uh, trying to get more into lore ever since I saw Bastion shoot up the, the trees. And, mm-hmm. and Anna... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, it was hilarious. Okay, he, people were like, "He's triggered," you know, it's happening. But, <laughs> but no. I, ever since I watched the the actual Anna trailer, I was actually a little bit more curious about the the lore. So I'm actually still diving a little bit into it. So don't yeah. know too much. I don't know too much. You don't know too much, but you're getting into it. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, we talked about on the show. Uh, they they have a. I don't think Lucio had a comic, but Symmetra definitely had a comic where uh something she did uh caused an explosion and uh it was kind of like you know oh i'm doing the, we work for we're doing this work for the greater good or some shit like that so symmetra is in my opinion she's actually she's a she's a bad guy she's a villain <laughs> um, but she just she she's a villain that doesn't think she's the villain and lucio is fighting against vishkar because they're basically enslaving his people in the slums so if you know, I don't know if we're gonna see something. I don't know if we're gonna see something with that. Maybe that is gonna allude to some voice lines between Sombra, Symmetra, and Lucio. Maybe. But the big takeaway from that post that they posted on Sunday was that there's gonna be a protest on November first. That's what they said. So it's like, okay, well, what's happening on November first? I honestly thought maybe they were going to update the PTR or maybe they were going to, um, you know, release a video, something from Sombra. No, that did not happen. All Blizzard did was they released 
a uh, they released an image on their Twitter that says all oh, protesters have it says breaking news and says protesters have clashed with the police. A security breach is underway and power outages are reported across Mexico. That's all it said. I searched the forums. Nobody has found anything. I looked on Reddit. Nobody has found anything. So it's more it's more of this teasing that they're doing. And nobody wants to fucking. I mean, nobody cares at this point. I just want to know if she's going to be able to go invisible. Yeah, at this point, I'm pretty sure we're going to. It's going to be the most annoying character if she can go invisible and do actual high damage to people. I, I just I see this character being. I like the way they're they're doing things, but I think it's a little oversaturated at this point. They could release this. I've heard more about Sombra in the past like two or three weeks than I wanted to know. I was like, can I just have the character so I can see what the characters are like, like what it's about, what she does. And they're just like, nah, man, she's cool. They're just doing stuff. She's affecting the storyline. Not everybody reads the storyline. Right. <laughs> just being honest, it's first person shooter. I don't think I was going to probably read it if I didn't get competitively and actually enjoy seeing something on, you know, while watching a competitive stream. Why would I want to get into the storyline? I could play competitive all day. Yeah, I mean, don't, one thing I just did notice on the Reddit page, instead of like, there's a picture of Lumerico there. That one that you find in the game now it has spray paint on it. it says mm-hmm. Viva Mexico, L M X. Yeah, it's it's still not there. It's just a big tease. Like we at this point, we want real information about the character. You know. Yeah. And Blizzard's just teasing along, and, and I think when they finally do release Sombra, it's just gonna be instead of being like something really joyful, it's just gonna be like oh, finally, and then that's it. Like I am not excited for Sombra at all at this point. Uh, I'm exa- the, 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 this ARG has kind of exhausted me. It's just sour. It's it's gonna be very sour when she comes out. It it it's the hype is killed. That's really it. Maybe they haven't even finished the character. Yeah, and you know what? I think some of this, like some of the, because you go into the forums, you hear people complaining about, you know, wanting new characters and stuff like that. If Overwatch, if if Blizzard wasn't hyping up Sombra for release since July, I don't think we would have had as much, to be honest with you. That makes sense. I mean, what, you would have probably gotten another map at most? I mean, maps are a little bit easier to make than characters that don't break the game. They are, but the challenge that Blizzard has with maps, uh, and I can see where they're coming from, is that they have to make maps that 22 characters can definitely play. Yeah. That's that's the problem they have with maps. So, But yeah, so that's what, that's what that's the Sombra Watch. So hopefully after this weekend, folks, we will never use Sombra Watch again because we will have the information out. I am sorry. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the Halloween Terror event did you get anything good um actually it's funny i started off from level one and i'm now level about level 30 something uh i actually got a lot of the skins i wanted to have and a lot of the skins i didn't want so uh the i will say right now the skin that i did get that i didn't expect was the symmetric skin Mm-hmm. Uh, the vampiric one. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of people are gunning for the mercy one. I heard you were opening up uh, quite a few for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, I actually the mercy one wasn't my goal. The Reinhardt on PC, the Reinhardt one was my is that goal. The, is that the one on, where he's like ghostly? Yes, I got that on, one because I really don't play mercy like that on PS4. I have the mercy skin, but I'll probably never use it. Yeah, see, I don't play mercy. 
See, but here's the thing. Most of these are really expensive buys too if you if you have the gold the currency for it. But Yeah, I, it's like three K. That's ridiculous. I I mean I like the seven fifty K ones, but I'm pretty sure the seven I mean so the seven fifty ones, but I'm pretty sure all those are obtainable ones that are more of a higher rate, I would say. But they are. Well they're epics. They have a higher rate, but you know, I'm not going to get too deep into it this week because next week when Mikey and Bond are back, we're going to talk about the stats from the last uh, loot box opening, which we streamed on Facebook yesterday. Um, and thanks for everybody who who hopped into that and, and uh, participated with us. But um, if you were on stream yesterday, I was not happy. I was not happy with how that was going. Like, the, the I had... Almost fifty percent. Almost fifty percent of my about those loot boxes that I opened were duplicates, right? Yep. Oh, fifty percent of the items. But the thing is, I really haven't been playing this event on PC. I've been playing it on cons. I've been playing on PS4 and Xbox, especially mainly on Xbox. I have almost everything I want on Xbox, and that's why I'm not too concerned about it. But um, on PC, like I barely played, so I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be great because I'm probably not gonna get that many duplicates." No. This was nothing like Summer Games, dude. Nothing Summer Games. I mean, I didn't get everything, but I was getting a lot of good shit, whether it was good skins or it was uh, good items. I was getting them. And um, no, not at all. But we're going to talk about more about that last week because by, by the time we got halfway through, I'm like, yo, this is ridiculous. I opened up so many boxes and to just to see three white items and one blue come out. Mm. Yeah, that that's painful. So we're, mean, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about that because there's also a flip t- side to that, which I'll get into next week. Uh, I'll I'll just say if, if anybody definitely got into the game this like whole Halloween week and everything, it was definitely really cool to find like to get outfits that you may not have thought of. Like I got McCree's outfit, I got a bunch of outfits, and I'm just like I don't really play these characters, but I got a lot of colors and different things that kind of made me want to play different characters a little bit more. So I don't know if that's also incentive to to do it, but I definitely think it was a very, very interesting perspective of how easily you could kind of just get stuff in this game. And it's not the main focal point. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it was just the, the skins. Like I wasn't too huge. Like with summer games, for example, right? I knew I wanted to get that real American McCree skin. You know, yeah, I definitely wanted that. Did you get it? Oh yeah, I got it. I got it twice, and I got you. I had to get it. It's the best skin in the game. The gun is red, white, and blue. See, his, I will. His six shooter is red, white, and blue. <laughs> the one thing I did notice though is the drop rate for the actual like uh, epic loot weapons that you have to kind of, I guess, pay currency for, uh, and I think it's the competitive mode currency. Yeah. Those I rarely see drop. I didn't see those in the loot boxes. I don't even think when I was watching people do it, I didn't oh, see yeah. anybody get any weapon drops. So I don't know if that just wasn't incorporated, but yeah. You mean what do you mean by weapon drops? So you know how like if you go to a certain character's hero gallery, if you go all the way to the very very bottom, you could choose like their their. Comp- I think it's like their oh. three thousand competitive. Oh, uh, yeah, for weapon? Golden Guns, yeah, those won't drop in those boxes. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. that's why, yeah. There you got some go. cool ones, man. I was kind of mad. Yeah, yeah, those won't drop in those boxes, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this 
while I'm glad they did the, the event, I mean, that was great. It gave some people a time to play. And actually, these events, if you're going to have somebody start playing Overwatch, the events are the be- probably the best time to do so because they can get so much shit in their first 20 levels. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I think it's every level, and then even when you don't, you're still getting experience and getting the drops. I, I, don't, I don't even know how many I got. I definitely got over, like, 40 drops. Well, during the event, at least one item is going to be an event item. Yeah. So... But it's it's actually pretty cool. Uh, but I mean, I, I thought it was all right. I did like summer games better, and I would say I I think my fifty loot box opening definitely soured it a bit for me this time. But like I said we're gonna get deep into detail because Mikey took some data as well mm. on that, and we're gonna get more into detail next week. Did you did you even get the Reinhardt skin? Oh, I did. I have it uh, on my Xbox and my uh and my PC now. Okay. So it's pretty cool. At least you got it somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about troll picks, and that's when mm-hmm. it's non-meta picks. That's when somebody a, an actual troll pick is when somebody chooses Symmetra on offense on like King's Row. Oh, <laughs> you gosh. know, you're you're bringing bad memories, and I've only that, been that, for that's so a, long. That's a that's a troll pick when somebody does it on purpose. When somebody a troll pick is when somebody purposefully picks a back. A bad character for that map. You know, like, not even like they have the best intentions, like they're going to try something new. It's just that, you know, it's that's it's when they pick a character on purpose that they know is not going to do well, and they're doing it like just orb? be... Like, okay, now this is... We're, about, we're really about to get into this. So, <laughs> there, was a, there was a post on the forums where a guy, he wanted to know about... Um, you know, the future of hero balancing. And he says, uh, you know, some heroes are considered troll, like troll picks, like Symmetra and Torbjorn. These heroes are flagged as useless and aren't healthy for anyone. And he says, my question is, will the current effort toward hero balance, uh, will, the her- will the current effort toward hero balance will completely erase or dissipate those troll picks? That's him saying, I, I had to read it twice. Cause I was like, am I reading that right? He wants to know if, you know, they're going to try to balance the heroes out of being troll picks. All right. So Jeff Kaplan, he responded to him and he assures them that he assures him that he's always looking for ways to uh, for characters to make sure they're balanced. And even if they were balanced, uh, well, he's he, well, first of all, he says he's always looking for ways to make sure characters are balanced, but it's a matter of perception sometimes and not the reality. And he said even if they were perfectly balanced, certain characters would shift from the meta just based off the way um, people play. And I think that's true. You know, just the way, even if everybody was perfectly balanced, there are going to be some characters that are picked less than others. Absolutely. Until new strats arrive, and then that's going to change. So, you know, it, with that aspect, Jeff Kaplan says, you know, we we'll always have to tweak characters. Um, he says they'll always try to make sure characters are viable. That's a little dangerous to me, because if it's it's a if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it type of situation. Like perfect example right now is Symmetra. A lot of people think that Symmetra needs to change, and I don't think so. I think she's great in certain situations, and that that's okay. I don't actually find it a problem that Symmetra is most is most effective on first points. Absolutely. She's supposed to be a switch out character, in my opinion, at this point. Like, yeah, I, I don't find a problem with that. Go ahead. It, 
and sorry to cut you off. I mean, it is for the teleporter mostly. It's not even just for sentries. Mostly people will do it for the teleporter because the travel is very, very far to get back to the first point, depending on yes. what stages you're playing on. You're right, but especially like something like King's Row. But my thing is, like, you can actually use the teleporters to your advantage. Like, when I'm playing, I'm trying to get my teams to work with me with the te- with, with the turrets. Like, on um, Temple of Anubis, I used to put three turrets above each of the walkways and the entrances. You know how there's, like, two sides and the pillar in between? Yeah. I put three turrets there, and I'm like, Roadhog. Stand like you know, Roadhog, you stand here, and the other tank, you stand here. And as they're trying to come through, let the turrets wear them down while you're attacking them. Like I, I like I, I've gotten ridiculous kill streaks from that because they can't focus on taking out the turrets because you're in front of them. But then if they focus on taking out the person, the turrets is baking them and assisting them. And a lot of people don't play like that. Um, but yeah, there's there's certain characters that need to be changed, like Torbjorn. You know. Uh. On on defense and offense, he's a joke. Like he doesn't really have much of a place anywhere unless he's stacked in quick play. So, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't say so much that I would say he's he's not completely horrible when it comes to anything that's uh, at least a a payload escort stage. But why why pick him when you could just pick Bastion? Exactly, and that's the thing. I just never really understood that. Considering, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've actually had more problems with thinking that attack bastion was annoying until i finally realized it's like he's actually not that bad compared to you know tor just like i don't even think symmetra is a a troll pick i'm just gonna state that first off i think symmetra is a very viable pick at nearly almost every time except for when we're on stages that requires to move forward if we're capturing points eh, i'm still a little wary because i don't see her her sentries doing much for the team unless you're getting you know you're going to get pushed back for some odd reason which you shouldn't um i i just think that she's very not suited for that situation now if we're talking about a character like torb he has no purpose in the game right now and I, even when he's using his ultimate he's powered up yeah he may get a kill or two but he's still very pickable uh his turret is the only thing that actually essentially makes him okay but you can still kill it very easily. And it does have a range limit on it. So that's another big thing. I just yes. I don't see this character essentially even in... And I know they're supposed to be buffing him in PTR. He's supposed to be a lot better. But I don't think the character is going to get better. He's not better at doing the things that you just talked about. He's yeah. only better at... He, he has more of a purpose because he can auto-generate scrap. That. That's about it. But if That's I wanted that, I'd just play Symmetra at that point. She at least gives us a shield and still can do more. I, I just, I feel like he's a character that needs a full rework since they have, it's like pulling from other characters and he's just like a mesh of it and he's, he doesn't have a purpose. So, right. So, yeah. So, I mean, like if a character is already viable, like, we're, you know, we're talking about Torb, like, okay, sure, you need to do some more Torb, but if a character's already viable, but the perception is not that they're not viable. This can lead to bad, unbalancing decisions. And you can take a look at what's going on in the PTR right now. I know they're saying they're just tests, but we have seen things that were just tests come into live, like what they did to Zenyatta mm. in beta. So, you know, you have a diva who has 600 health and can move faster. Not needed. What? You have a soldier <laughs> 70... Yeah, 600 health I, and she I, I didn't even need faster. to know about that, but that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. cool with her alt and uh, no 
You have no. a Soldier 76 that is melting people because they boosted his damage. And honestly, I think it's because of... Because, you know, a meta report came out about these characters, and they were, like, ranked in the F tier. Like, a lot of the characters ranked in F tier because they just weren't being used. Because, you know, Overwatch Pro Meta isn't actually what you... Their meta reports aren't what you usually see in games that give meta reports. They're strictly based off of usage and not necessarily effectiveness. Um, so you know, you know, you you have these balance, these these changes that might be coming, and it's like that's a little scary because there's no way those changes happen simply because those characters maybe not be getting used as much as the developers would like them to. Uh, you they know, should not be getting changed. To to go back actually to what we were talking about earlier, the troll, the just troll picks in general, because yeah. I know it. This is kind of what stems from you know it's it starts the whole who needs to be buffed, who isn't viable. I, I actually hear a lot of people say don't don't pick Widowmaker. Now I know Widowmaker is a really good character. Some other people know Widowmaker is a really good character, but I think it stems from what the team comp needs compared to what the team comp is allowed to play around. So more people are less likely to have a Widowmaker on offense, you know, attacking. That's actually going to, you know, generate a lot of push tactic or anything like that in their heads. That's what they believe. But I've actually had a lot of team teams where I've actually let it go. I just said, you know what? Widowmaker is on our team, guys. Let's just work around it. And I've actually seen them do so much damage and, and really open up a door for us by just one headshot on, on a Mercy or something like that. So, do I think the troll picks come from the actual characters being bad? Besides Torb, no. I think it's the players who kind of don't play the character enough, or rather don't see enough being played to the point where they go, if you play it, the person has to be really good at it. It's just a high level, high curve. That's the biggest issue right now that I think people are misinterpreting what troll picks are compared to just a really absurd high curve to learning the character and being useful to your team. Right, yes. I mean, this post is a great example of why people should not follow the pro meta like it's scripture. Because you're 100% right. People look at the pro meta, they look at these meta reports, and they're like, well, you know, Widow, she's completely useless, or Symmetra's completely useless, or Torb is completely useless, but in this case, it's actually true. (laughs) Um... But, uh, you know, these characters are useless. We need this, we need that. Oh, we need a Lucio. I've been on competitive teams where, like, you know, we'll have a Mercy and a Zenyatta, and they're like, no, we need a Lucio. We definitely need a Lucio. We got to get a Lucio. And they, you know, that. and the thing is, like, even if you can do a good job with, you know, this character that they consider the troll pick and, you know, complete your, you know, your objectives, that still tilts the team. So that might actually cause somebody else to perform poorly. Yeah, I, I I think I've seen that more or less where, you know, it, it, it does also come down to the fact that people underperform when they're not playing on their best character. So and, and this also comes down to what we talk about, what you said it, that you definitely don't like is the maining of characters. I don't know if there's something maybe Blizzard could do to kind of dictate that people should be encouraged to play different characters, which I think they do a good job already. Like yeah. They have just already the game naturally wants you to play different characters. But at the end of the day, people are going to do, as I learned, people are going to do what they want to do. And I think that they have to take that into account that if there's a character that does healing 
and doesn't do it very well and does more damage than healing, maybe they need to cut back on the damage so people see that this character is not supposed to be used as a tool for doing damage compared to the the healing utility or the, the defensive mechanism that they may have. So I, I think that's where Blizzard could at least step in. I like to see the company step in a little bit more to maybe not look at the nerfs as, you know, a bad thing. Look at it more as a positive for what people should be playing a little bit more. Because I think Lucio is really just too too overly picked. He is obviously the meta. But I've seen people win team comps with Mercy and uh, Zenyatta perfectly fine. And the Resurrect is so strong now in general. It is. It is. The, the problem that you run into. Uh, I, and I see what you're saying. Like, well, Blizzard might be able to help. But they can only do so much. You know, they can only do so much. They can't force you, like, oh, you picked this character too much. You can't play them anymore, you know. Or what you don't want them to do is see that a character has played too much and then nerf them. They actually have done that before. That That's what a lot of games do. And I think it's sometimes the right direction, sometimes the bad. I, I think nah, that they should just buff everybody yeah, and just and actually, see where the game goes. Lucio is being nerfed on the PTR. His, uh, his amp it up is being reduced. Oh, it's like, too strong. The effectiveness is being reduced. I don't think so. I don't think it's really? too strong. No. I mean... Because... If you're one on one with a, with another character, and Lucio does the amp it up, yes, you're gonna get out healed. But that's the way it should be. If you're one on one with another character, sure. you know, so that's that's not, and, and he has a healer behind him. But you know, yeah, so th- that is going to happen to Lucio. Uh, but at the same time, like you know, like I was saying, you 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 don't want to tilt the you don't want to tilt your team mainly because. If you pick a character they consider to be a troll, and you're not gonna put change because, like, um, let's say, uh, let's say you pick Widowmaker, and you're really good at Widowmaker, and you're in defense, and you're gonna do, it, and you're doing a great job as Widowmaker, but this person is like, oh, he won't change his character, so I'm not even gonna play seriously. So they start playing like shit, you know? Yeah, but you I don't want to do that. See that that's wanna. that does breed breed a lot of bad things. I, I think, I think it's just because people look at a character like. Widowmaker at least and say she's useless because she doesn't really have an alt that kills people or does anything to uh, like hurt people and I think they forget what the utility that she brings to the team is being able to see the approaches that people are going to do and I feel that falls in the line of high level competitive play instead of just overall competitive play like there's these little things that I think are going to get buffed and are going to get nerfed but the biggest issue is going to be we we we're seeing that obviously the increase of how long it's going to take to get to your alt's going to be important, but that's also going to make characters like Widowmaker not so good. So maybe don't increase that for her. Maybe make it so that she gets it faster, so she can stop people from you know cutting behind her team or whatnot. I think she can become a more useful uh, sniper utility character instead of people prioritizing Anna over her. Because right now I would put Anna over her over. Probably 90% of the teams that I've seen played. And when she is on the team, she's not doing as much as she can, depending on the stage. Right. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Widowmaker definitely needs something done, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up about troll picks. Um, a troll pick isn't just somebody that's out of meta. A troll pick is somebody that's picking a character that you know, that somebody knows will not do well. So know the difference. And just because somebody's out of the meta, and I think most of the people who, watch, who listen to the show on a regular basis already know this, but just because somebody's out of meta doesn't mean that they're not viable. Yeah, just, just right. for me, guys, don't don't play Symmetra on King's Row on attack. 
Okay, thank you. Yeah, so, it's, uh, don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not really, it's, it's not really a goat look, but it doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's get into our last uh, segment here. We're gonna do some watch pointers. Yeah, so uh, the last two weeks I've been promising some Reinhardt tips, and I never, uh, and we, we had to push it off. And I was like, you know, we have to do it this week. But I expected Mikey and Bond to be here because both of them need watch pointers on Reinhardt. Oh, I think damn. Mikey even said so. Well, I think Mikey even said so. He wants to know. He wants to learn how to play Reinhardt. So hopefully, he can listen to this while he gets better and learn how to play Reinhardt. So there, uh, there's actually a video to go along with this. Um, uh, from actually, I'm trying to pull up his name right now. Why can't I find it? Uh, Six Saga. He made a video about Reinhardt. I'm not going to go over everything he talked about, but the main points because, like, if you if you really don't know how to play Reinhardt that well, you know, it could be a bit overwhelming to know exactly what to do in every single situation. So here's some main points you want to know about while playing Reinhardt. All right. So with Reinhardt, you need to remember that your top priority is to shield your team. That is your top priority. Your top priority is not to get kills. It's not to charge. It's not to, you know, uh, you know, chase after people. It is to shield your team. So if your shield is up and the team, your team is behind you firing, outputting damage through your shield to the enemy team, you do not drop that shield. You know, you do not drop that shield, especially if you're outputting a decent amount of damage. There's some... You know, there's sometimes when you need to drop your shield and maybe either go uh, move away or start swinging. And so that, like, let's say uh, if your team isn't with you primarily, like if your team isn't with you and you have people closing in on you and you're not really going to get away, that's when you start swinging your shield. You got a Reaper coming up to you. Your team's not with you. Start swinging away because he's just going to walk through the shield and kill you. Or another one is if you don't have your whole team with you and the current people you have are just aren't putting enough damage out. You know, you need to tell those guys, hopefully you guys are all on the same voice channel, and you can tell those guys, hey, you got turn, time to turn tail, guys. <laughs> you know, that's when you, and, you know, when that happens, when you don't have enough output to deal with what's coming at you, that's when you need to drop your shield. You know, do you play Reinhardt at all? Uh, I actually do. Um... I, I kind of started off like not liking Reinhardt until I saw like I, I I have this thing that I try to do now is play what's strong, and I noticed Reinhardt was really really strong, and I was playing Zarya at the time, and I was like, well, I may have to switch off once in a while, so I started picking him up. It, I'm not gonna lie, this guy gives probably the best tips I've seen on this character. Um, I actually didn't at one point know when I should at least drop my shield to do more damage, but I've kind of obviously watch people so i'm like oh i can copy but how much of it do i really know what i'm supposed to be doing and i think he gives a in-depth uh understanding of what it means to have a team that maybe is needing to follow you and what you have to do to i guess excel just in general and i i, I love what he says about my heart because everything he's saying is is 100 percent true you cannot deviate from what he's saying which is shield for your team that's why they gave you a shield. Call out when your shield's breaking. Step out of the way so you guys can, you know, take cover. And I think he covers every base. It's awesome. Right. I, I really can't complain with everything he said. Yeah. So he also talked about, you know, only use your shield when you need it. And I see so many people not doing this. And people get mad at me sometimes when they don't see me 
when they when they're coming from behind and they don't see me just standing up there shielding, they're like, "Why is your shield up?" <laughs> like, I'm like, because like nobody's up here to help. Because you need to conserve your shield until your team is with you. Other than that, if you just have it up, they're just gonna wear it down. If the enemy team sees that your shield is up and nobody's with you, they're just gonna burn it down and then kill you. You know, so only use you know your your uh, conserve your shield when until your team is with you and use your shield. If there are people to protect, you know, like maybe one or two people, but then as soon as they're out of harm's way, move it down. I mean, me and Mikey did a test. It's not that hard to get a Reinhardt shield down. Zenyatta, one clip of Zenyatta, like if he Jeez. runs through his entire clip, that's half of your shield. I will say this. There's one thing that I felt he could have added in there was tell your team to keep attacking the other Reinhardt shield when you're both in that stun lock point because... I've come across multiple times where my team will say, you didn't do anything. And I'll say, well, I can't really do anything if you guys aren't attacking the Reinhardt shield that's up on their side. And they go, well, you're supposed to just move forward. Well, if my shield breaks within the first five seconds of me putting it up, how can I move forward? So I definitely think that was a that's a thing that they don't tell other players. And I think he does cover a base where he says, you need to tell your teammates when to move forward. I guess he's also saying when they should also attack because there's no reason for your Reinhardt to ever lose his shield and they they don't lose theirs as well. Yes, that is true. And I have seen times where like my, my shield is getting burned down. And I'm like, I, I have people behind me, but they're shooting at other people who aren't behind their shield. Like, no, burn this guy's shield down. You know, they, they, they don't do it. So that is 100% correct. Um, another thing. Do not charge when your team needs shielding. That has happened to me so many times where I'm like behind a Reinhardt shield. It's like Soldier 76 or Reaper, and I'm not putting damage. All of a sudden, I hear his jets fire up, and he flies away, and I just get torn apart. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I actually got my first experience about two days ago. Uh, funny enough, we, I have a rule of thumb, man. If you're going to use your voice comm, Use it properly. Use it with respect. Use it with responsibility. Don't jump on. We had a little kid. Right off the bat, first 10 seconds, I already muted him. I already knew what it was. <laughs> he picked Reinhardt. And he's like, I'm a good Reinhardt, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this isn't going to go well. I know it isn't. And as soon as he jumped in the game and we started playing, I've never seen somebody deviate from the team. I'm like, Reinhardt, I want to ult you. And he's off fighting somebody at 3v1. And I'm just like, I... I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just going to alt the Zenyatta or something. <laughs> so at that point, it, like, it is true, guys. If you're a Reinhardt, please just watch your dashing. Because I know he also covers dash over a short uh, distance if you can get the kill. Or if, you know, if, if it doesn't hurt your team, that's also smart. Just don't dash the whole map and then be all on your own. Yeah, I mean, charging is okay as long as it's smart. You know, if it's like short distance... Like, you know, 10 meters or something like that where you can quickly get back to your team and it's for a kill, sure, go for it. But I see so many Reinhards like will charge and take the enemy team's healer with them. But then oh. the enemy team has a Reinhardt shielding them while we have nothing. That, that's <laughs> you know? equivalent to having a heal. Uh, you know, I, I do want to cover something that I thought he could have added in here. And I know it's a little bit more, uh, my, um, it's more micromanaging. But I think Reinhardt's need to not be so afraid to take damage, like soak damage and let your team kind of 
run behind you because the thing is I've been noticing Reinhardt has a, a ton of health. You know, he has a ton of health on top of a really, really 2000, you know, HP shield. Why not drop your shield for half, half, take about half your life and then put your shield back up. I'm pretty sure you're going to get at least 250 to a little bit more back. And I think essentially you have a healer who's really good, who understands that you're going to do that. Or just in general, I think you get more movement out of that. Because remember, you move slower when you have the shield up. So you do, you do, but some you got to be careful because sometimes you drop that shield and oh. you just get wrecked. I'm saying like, it depends. It depends. Obviously, that's that's dependent where you are and how many people are attacking you. But especially I, like if you're around a roadhog, dude, like never drop your uh, shield if you see a roadhog because you are such an easy target to hook. I actually encourage. Okay, this is really bad. I know, but I actually encourage because he he actually talked about something where you're usually fighting another uh, Reinhardt uh, that. Most Reinhardts will get nano nano boosted, and then you'll run in, and you'll just try to kill everybody, especially when there's another Reinhardt who has Earthquake. And you can shield Earthquake, but what do they do? They just run in and swing, and they get Earthquake, and the nano boosted Reinhardt loses. Um, I actually feel that that also is the same concept with Roadhog. If you can force him to use his hook, because Roadhogs will look for you to drop your shield, and the first thing they're going to say is, okay, either your shield's going to break, and I'm going to grab you, and you're going to die, or your shield is going to go down because you have to recharge it, and then I'm going to look for grabs. So why not give them the false sense of security that you will drop your shield at any time? And this kind of goes into hand-in-hand uh, hand with when to know to drop your shield and when not. I think this plays a, a small... It's a minor, uh, more mac, uh, micro thing than macro, and I think that's that's how you get over on becoming a better Reinhardt than just being a good Reinhardt, which he instructs you how to be pretty much a functional, smart Reinhardt. Right, yeah. yeah. You do have to think about stuff like that. Um, you know, like I was going to bring up, you know, one great thing to do. Because actually, on the, on the, you know, we've talked a few times on the show about how you deal with Anna Alt. And one thing you can do as Reinhardt is you can charge the nano-boosted Reinhardt, you know, and get him away from your teammates. Yes. that That's also, you know, a, a pretty smart thing to do. But you know, you just don't want to charge while there's like a nano booster Reinhardt and charge out of the area. <laughs> you know, leaving your team just to die. I don't know, and, man. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with it if my team's bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't encourage that, guys. But well, if, you're if a really that's good the case, if you feel like that, you're you've already lost. Like <laughs> that, that's the that's the problem. You've already lost. My team can't handle standing behind the shield. Your team's I guess that I bad go that in. you don't care that they want to die. That they're gonna die. I care. You, I just lost. I care more about winning than their deaths. Well, you're not gonna win because that's how bad your team is. I'm on the point though. Yeah, and you're gonna <laughs> die soon. Like that, that's like, we can do that. <laughs> Whoever day. can follow, better follow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bad mentality. No, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. But it, it is yeah. there is times. Yeah, when you I mean, there's even times in. where you could do suicide charges where you know where you, by you charging you're gonna die. Um, and it'll it'll work like if Winston's alting maybe, or D, you know if Diva does her alt, you can actually charge that out of the way, just like you you can hook her her mech while it's while it's alting. One thing you don't want to do is charge a Diva off of a cliff because oh, you'll let go of her, and she'll still be able to fly away. I've seen it happen so many times. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but, you know, even suiciding, maybe like somebody, another team's like tank, if you're, if you can out damage the other team and you take away their tank, that might be a good, 
good idea. Or even in situations where, you know, you get a pick, right? Because you charged. But the, you know, you die, but the other person, the other high value target on the other side die, like a tank or a healer. But because they're on defense, it takes them much longer to get to the point. That's actually not that bad. But until you become a really good Reinhardt, you probably won't know when to do those things. I actually noticed that nobody ever talks practice. about when to use his E, which is uh pretty much like that. It's like a slashing blade uh yeah, attack that yeah. goes range. Yeah. Um that that skill is actually really, really strong, and I think people are neglecting it a little too much. If your team is really good at poking, it's probably best to know when the shield of the other Reinhardt's gonna go down. Cause most likely it's gonna be Reinhardt versus Reinhardt. If your shield's still pretty healthy and you're new, you know your shield's gonna go down, I think the best thing to do is throw that E right at the end of the shield for them breaking. Cause that's gonna do a tremendous amount of damage considering it goes through the shield regardless. And if you break the shield, that means whoever is healing has to heal everybody who gets right. hit by it. So I think that's also a really strong way to push teams back as a Reinhardt. And I know that most people won't use that because they're not sure when to use it. They'll just use it as soon as they get it up. And I think that's kind of not the pivotal point of being a really good Reinhardt too. Is that you need to know when to coordinate your damage with uh, your teammates, even if they're not talking about it. Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people who play Reinhardt don't do is they don't use the advantage of where they are to inform their teammates. Like, if you're a Reinhardt, you're in the front of the fight. Not only that, you get pulled out to a third-person perspective when you shield. So you can actually see a bit more than other people. You should be telling your team where other like you know giving them important information this person's on the left this person's on the right i saw this person go up here i saw this person run over there you know you you can do that thing those things with reinhardt and it'll, it'll be very very helpful for your team yeah uh i i think the video actually covers something pretty cool on route 66 is that that choke point stay away from it man that's that was i was starting to notice that i was like my teams are getting demolished at this choke point if we don't push hard on them as a defensive. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually really smart to to know your positioning and to talk to your team a little bit more about where you're going to set up. And they're going to probably think it's weird to, to start off. They're going to be like, why the hell is Reinhardt up here? Why, why aren't we doing more pressuring? And I think we're so used to being offensive as a defensive uh, just concept because we have the shield that we forget there are points where they do allow flanking very heavily. So I thought that was pretty cool that he uh he added that little tidbit. And I think that applies to a lot of different maps too. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna put the, the video into the show notes. Uh so whoever wants to watch it can watch it. Just visit the, the website and check out the show notes. Um it, it, I would highly recommend it if you want to get better at Reinhardt. All right. So um with that, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and bring the show to a close because it's been a long one. Every watch point radio is a long one at this point. But um, yeah. So um, it, once again, I want to thank everybody who watched the stream. Uh, you know, sorry we couldn't interact more. Facebook Live needs a lot of work. First of all, the I thought I'd be able to see when you guys were commenting or chatting. Not really. You know, we couldn't see that. And also, when I looked at the stream after the fact, the quality was pretty low. So we're going to go back to Twitch after this. It was a nice experiment. But the next uh, stream we do with loot box openings, 
I am going to uh, do it on Twitch. And we're going to talk more about it next week, but I might do two. So we'll see. Uh, but the, the results of this stream, of the data we collected, we will talk about that next week. Uh, additionally, community play days. We mentioned that we're going to start doing that um, last week. And we are going to start doing it, but we're going to start doing the actual days next week after BlizzCon. So the first community play day we're going to have is going to be on PS4 on the 7th, November 7th. We're going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's going to be me and Mikey. So John Mikey on the PS4 on November 7th. You could join us uh, there. Uh, some of you already are, have me friended. If you don't, just uh, you know, shoot me a message on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, you know, one of the ways you can contact us, I will go over it at the end of the show. And you, you know, we can we can definitely get hooked up that day. Um, with the next uh, community play day we're gonna do is the ninth uh, on PC. So November 9th on PC. And uh, between now and then, I'm definitely gonna give you guys more information on how we're gonna get this set up. All right. So just keep an eye on our Facebook page and our Twitter feeds, and we'll go over it. Uh, once again, I do want to give a shout-out to the Heroes of Overwatch group on Facebook, because that's where, oh, actually, a lot of you guys who listen to the podcast are from that group, and some of the guys that we play with are also from that group. It's a good community of guys and gals that uh, play Overwatch together, so if you're looking for some people to play with, go ahead and join that group. It's Heroes of Overwatch on uh, Facebook. And uh, finally. Uh, once again, we are going to be doing a uh, post-BlizzCon podcast uh, with the WoW Talk crew. So that is going to be on November. That's going to be releasing on November 7th as well, that podcast. So look out for us. We're going ha- we're, we're to have that podcast on the 7th, and we're still going to have Double Tap. Not Double Tap, sorry. We're oh, still going to have. <laughs> yeah, we're still going to have Watchpoint Radio that Wednesday ready for you, all right? And, um, dude, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was fun, honestly. I, it, I've been kind of wanting to talk more about Overwatch. I've been listening to the podcast, and I was like, "Damn, when should I get on? Maybe I'll wait a little bit." But no, it was cool that uh, I got a chance to do it today. Uh, it kind of gave me a new perspective on some things too. Uh, what yeah. to look for in the future. Yeah, you know, fuck that pro meta, right? <laughs> oh God, man! As, as long as as long as they don't crush Tracer, we're good, man. Tracer Damn. needs to stay strong forever. Uh-huh. Maybe give her a little bit more damage, you know? Just That's a little your bit. baby. I, I understand it. I understand it. <laughs> You're a terrible person, but I understand it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back on again. Definitely. Unless I get some feedback that these people don't like you. Then I'm like, eh, maybe not mess I mean, with. <laughs> you know, I try, guys. I do. I really do. But hopefully, no, honestly, hopefully I'll be able to bring a little bit more to the table as I start to uh, dive and play in more tournaments with uh, the other team that I'm going to be working with. Uh, and yeah, I'm always always willing to like hang out with you guys and play so yeah all right all right well like thanks said before thank you guys for listening we are available on many platforms uh we're on itunes overcast for ios google play music stitcher smart radio player.fm pocket cast soundcloud and we do have an rss feed for those of you who like to uh have your own uh rss reader or podcast application we are on twitter.com slash mtb site. We're on facebook.com slash smash those buttons and youtube.com slash smash those buttons. Meza, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Oh, you guys can find me at uh, Damio Meza on Twitter. Uh, I am actually currently not streaming yet. 
because I'm waiting for some things. But yeah, definitely hit me up on there. I'm always active on there and I'll always respond. And definitely, like I said, if you want to play, I'll play. I love the, I actually like the Overwatch community a lot more than some other communities. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I am uh, underscore Ja underscore on Twitter. It's underscore J-A-A underscore. And many of you have already followed me and then and talk to me and i appreciate that love hearing from you guys uh yeah actually all of us love hearing from you so you know feel free to contact us you can hit us up at wpr at mashthosebuttons.com we have a um a form on the website that you can fill out if you want to contact us or you can just comment on the podcast page you can comment on soundcloud facebook hit us up on twitter Anywhere you want to contact us, I will try to follow you know follow you there and uh, and get those comments. Uh, and if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to support us a bit, uh, one of the best ways you can do that is to share the podcast with others. We really really appreciate when you guys do that. And I've actually I've talked to some of you guys and some of your friends who have heard about the podcast from you guys, and you guys are great. We really appreciate that. And if you want, if you really want to help us, if you like us that much, and you want to help us some more. Uh, reviews and ratings on stuff like iTunes and Google Play Music really help a lot. So if you can give us, you know, rate us high and give us a review on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher, stuff like that, that would be really, really helpful, and we really appreciate it. You guys should stay tuned after the show to hear what's coming up uh, this week on Mash Those Buttons. You can also go to mashthosebuttons.com slash shows to see all of our podcasts available right now, uh, present and past. So like I said, thank you guys for listening. Thank you very much, Meza, for coming on, and we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Here's what's coming up this week on Mash Those Buttons. On Monday, October 31st, Jorge and David transmit in orbit. They take an extended look at hand cannons, talk Trials of Osiris DDoSing, and a change coming to this week's tournament. On Tuesday, November 1st, Nick, Ray, Jeremy, and Eric bring you WoW Talk, discussing their reactions to Patch 7.1 and gearing up for BlizzCon 2016. On Wednesday, November 2nd, Jarrett, Mikey, and Bond bring you the latest in Overwatch and its community on Watchpoint Radio. They're giving tips on Reinhardt, give their thoughts on how the Halloween event went, and talk what they expect to see at BlizzCon 2016. On Thursday, November 3rd, Jarrett and Andres continue their dive into Batman, the Telltale series with Episode 3, New World Order. On Friday, November 4th, Mike, Rob, and Luke talk the latest in the division and the state of the game in SITREP Radio. To find more information on all of our shows, go to mashthosebuttons.com shows. And to see our full podcast schedule, visit mashthosebuttons.com schedule.